Hey friends, the views of our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of Let's Talk Menopause. Let's Talk Menopause does not provide medical advice. The content in this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions that you may have. Menopause? What is um, menopause? Menopause. Um, what is menopause? When you stop having your period. I don't know. When we get older. Something I'm going through now. My mother <laughs> went through menopause. I remember when I was young. Uh, um, I'm definitely not an expert. But instead of like I having really a period, it's like hot flashes. I just remember or the hot flashes. Combination of everything um, you can imagine. I didn't know there were like health risks to coming menopause. Menopause is life changing. Yeah, it sounds terrible. I am glad that I don't have to worry about that. It's something that is not here soon enough. It's the end. You approaching us to talk about it like makes me think like, wow, I like know nothing about menopause. Especially if half the population goes through it, you know, I'm kind of embarrassed. I don't really know anything about it. Educate us on our period. Why don't they talk about menopause too? Being a woman is cool. This is Hello Menopause, a podcast where you'll hear real menopause stories from real people. Whispering behind closed doors? Not here. We promise it is not just in your head. And you are not alone. I'm your host, Christine McGinnis. And I'm your other host, Robin Gelfenbein. Let's talk menopause. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the first episode of Hello, Menopause. Woo-woo! Since you're new around here, we thought we'd introduce ourselves and give you a little lay of the land. So this podcast is all about people sharing their own menopause stories, so I think it's fair that I share a little bit of mine. Just as I turned 35, I was diagnosed with premature ovarian failure, POF, a condition that is now called premature ovarian insufficiency, or POI. Truly the worst two names anybody could have labeled (laughs) that. I mean, oh, it's just terrible. I think the failure upset people, so they upgraded, question mark, to insufficiency. Big question mark. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So there I was. I found myself as a newlywed who was so eager to start a family with her husband, only to discover that not only was I infertile, but I was well into the menopause transition. Oh, God. I can only imagine how hard that was. So when in 2020, my old friends Donna and Samara began talking about creating a nonprofit organization that would be designed to help people navigate menopause, I thought, that's genius. Let's do it. So we created Let's Talk Menopause, and it's a place where we really want to change the conversation so that people get the information they need and hopefully the health care that they deserve. Robin, you are famous for having good stories. What's yours? Well, thanks, Christine. So I'm a comedic storyteller in New York City. And on this podcast, I'm here to bring some lightness to all this like eh, sciencey stuff, you know. So here's the deal. Science was my worst subject in school. It was so bad that my sister used to sing, she gotta see in science, boo boo. <laughs> she gotta see in science, do 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 do. <laughs> now I am here to talk to you about menopause, which blows my mind. So before I started working on this, I knew jack shit about this topic because I haven't been through it and nobody talks about it. And now I know way more <laughs> than I ever thought I would. <laughs> <laughs> I agree, and we have some really heartfelt conversations to share. 
On each episode, we kick things off with what we like to call our Menno on the Street segment. I hit the streets of New York City asking total strangers about menopause, life, aging, you know, typical stuff no one ever wants to talk about. And I talked to a lot of people, a lot. Robin, I have to say that hearing each new menopause on the street montage is my absolute favorite part of recording this podcast. I love to hear the reactions you capture. It's eye-opening to hear from so many people, and it never fails to make me smile. And I love that after each montage, you and I get to share our own personal reactions. Me too. So let's weigh in on the montage we heard at the top of this episode. Christine, what did you think of what people had to say? I have a bunch of things to react to, but I think what kind of struck me at the very beginning was how I'm imagining you on the street asking, you know, Mm -hmm. what is menopause? And then Mm -hmm. so many people responded with, what is menopause? Like, (laughs) it just seemed, like, the question itself seemed to stop people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I actually was very sort of strategic about how I approached people. And when it came to stopping men, (laughs) I kind of tried a couple of different things. One was like, let me just say, like, excuse me, can I ask you a couple of questions for a podcast? And sometimes I would say, can I ask you a couple of questions um, for a podcast about menopause? And when I did that, then quite often, like the men, if they were with a woman or something, they're like, oh, that's all you. But <laughs> but with, with the ones who I only said, like, can I ask you a few questions for a podcast? They're like, oh, sure. And then when the first question is, what is menopause? And they're like, what is menopause? Like, they were yeah. like, what? That's why you want to stop and talk to me? <laughs> yeah. I really love the man who, he sounded so sincere and he said, well, uh... I'm not an expert. Right. Of course. <laughs> I give him points for trying. <laughs> oh, totally. Totally. And yeah, because the I I loved that there was one guy who said something like, I'm em- I think it was the guy who said, like, I'm embarrassed I don't know more about it. Right. Which I think is just most people's reactions. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I appreciated the sensitivity there. Yeah. I also noticed the woman who it sounded to me as if she's been there, done that when she said. Menopause, it's a combination of everything you can imagine because of all the different symptoms and Mm -hmm. maybe that feeling of like, you know, what you didn't know before you got there. She just sounded like the wise owl, like she probably could be a guest for a whole episode. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I like the woman who was like, can't get here soon enough. Like, (laughs) she's like, hurry up already. Yeah. (laughs) I think she knows about it too. (laughs) Yeah. She seemed pretty well informed. Yeah. And then how about the, I, I have to guess it was a younger woman who said, or was it a woman or a man who said, sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah, I think it was a guy. Yeah, because he's like, he's like, I'm glad I don't have to worry about that. That was definitely yeah. a guy. Yeah, that was great. I like the woman who said, and I think it's fitting for this show. Uh, why don't we talk about it? Mm-hmm. Well, we will. Today, we will be speaking with American stylist, fashion consultant, author, and magazine editor, Stacey London. After starring on a reality television show, What Not to Wear, she traded in her TV stardom to become the owner and CEO of State of Menopause. She is passionate about reframing the conversation around menopause and midlife, and we are too. Here is our lovely conversation with the one, the only, fabulous, Stacey London. Hey, 
Stacy. <laughs> hey, Robin. Hey, Christine. Hello, menopause. Hi, Stacy. Hello, yes, hello, menopause. menopause. Stacy, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Oh, please. Oh, please. Do we have to be that polite? Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. We know each other. Let it all hang I out. I know. We're friends here. I'm overjoyed. Overjoyed. Um, <laughs> for those people who don't know you, the three people who don't know you, <laughs> could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Me? Oh, hi. Yeah, you. Hi. Hi, I'm Stacy London. I don't have a middle name. My parents didn't give me one. They were super lazy. So when I was six years old and <laughs> filling out my ERBs, I wanted a really special, fancy, really elegant, like special middle name that I gave myself. So I'm Stacy Cynthia London on my ERB. I think if you probably know me, you probably know me from the show that I used to do called What Not to Wear. Um, but I am now the CEO and co-founder of State of Menopause, which is a lifestyle and personal care brand for people experiencing menopausal issues. Whoop, whoop. So Stacy, we've done a lot of researching and reading about your story, and it's absolutely fascinating. And also parts of it are so heartbreaking. I have felt so much empathy for all the things you were going through at the same time. But I want to travel back in time to when this all started. And you've said that nothing and no one prepared you for menopause. So if you can, take us back to when it first started happening, the symptoms showed up, and what was happening in your life at that time. Yeah. I mean, nothing and no one did prepare me. And I will tell you, quite honestly, it never occurred to me that I would go into menopause, that I would have menopause. I thought it was optional. <laughs> I, I, I really, the only, the only cu cultural reference I had ever understood about menopause was when Edith Bunker yelled at Archie and, you know, she was always so meek and it was that she was going through the change. That is all I remember. And I remember that my mother had a radical hysterectomy, but we never talked about anything that she experienced after. So, you know, the greatest predictor of when you are going to go into menopause is usually when your mother went into menopause. So I didn't have that conversation with her. Um, but for me, I had spine surgery in December mm. of 2016. That was pretty significant. I know Robin and I have talked about this before, but, you know, my spine is now made of bone and titanium. And I had that surgery, I believe it was December 6th, 2016. And it was really like 18 months of rehabbing it. But, you know, in the beginning, it was like very, very painful and extremely hard. And in January of 2017, I got my period twice in one month. So heavy. Like mm. never really had periods like that. Never saw it again. Now, that would mean essentially that after January of 2017, I was postmenopausal. So you had two periods in one month with excessively heavy bleeding and then you never got your period again? Ever. Okay, keep going. I'm sorry to interrupt, but that's interesting. Yeah. No, no breakthrough bleeding, no, you know, like lighter periods, nothing. It was like, let's get this blood out of here and we're, mm -hmm. we're just cleaning house. Like, yeah. get the dice in, we're not coming back. And so it was a pretty radical change for me. And I think when I look back now, it had probably started, the, the signs of it, had probably started, I was 45 or 46. And what I remember about that time is that I was, you know, taking some time off from work. I was going to figure out what I wanted to do next. I just finished an, another television show after What Not To Wear. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to take a year 
I'm going to like go travel. I'm going to figure out what I want to do next. And I did. I traveled a lot, but I, I also started to notice that I was grumpy a lot of the time, or I was, you know, kind of checked out, just not, didn't feel as mentally agile, just didn't, started to feel like, huh, is this, is this what happens in your mid to late forties? You start to kind of look different, feel different. You know, I felt like my jowls were kind of melting into my neck and my ass was melting (laughs) into my knees. But I still, you know, that's not true. At that phase, 2015, 16, even early 17, I still felt, I still felt good, right? I mean, I still felt like I looked like myself. The skin was changing texture, but it was the moods. It was the moods that really Mm -hmm. set me off. Six weeks after I had the surgery, I went in to see my doctor for the first time, my surgeon, and he showed me the x-ray of all of the titanium in my spine. And I left and I started to have the most bizarre sensation that didn't go away. My anxiety shot through the roof. And I kept thinking, oh my God, my body doesn't know that it, you know, it was shocked almost into like a death state because you, mm. you know, when you operate on somebody's spine, brain, or heart, the body doesn't realize that it's not going to die. Right. So there's this very weird association. Your body doesn't know that you chose to have surgery. It just knows that it's been cut open. Right. So, you know, they don't tell you ahead of time that it's very possible when you have surgery in one of those places that you will experience anxiety or depression because your body really does not know how to handle that kind of like blunt force trauma. So they don't recommend telling you ahead of time. I have no idea why, because when it happened to me, I had no idea what was happening. And I thought, why didn't you just tell me that this was a possibility? Like, at least I would have been prepared, right? So here I am thinking that this surgery has somehow created this sense of anxiety, real anxiety, not so much depression, real anxiety. And I remember I would like cry a lot. I was anxious all the time, like like this, like almost like kind of electricity, like vibrating through me all the time. And I said to my boyfriend at the time, I feel like something is eating me from the inside out. I feel like some part of me is like just being choked alive. And Mm. I couldn't explain it. I had no way of knowing where it was coming from other than to assume that it was my surgery. But then as I was starting to recover from that, I started to have other weird things happen to me. Like my skin really did dry out to the point where Mm -hmm. it almost felt like sandpaper. Like when you would touch it, it didn't didn't feel supple at all, like skin. But it was more than that, right? The mood and the skin stuff were really the first things. But then it was the worst night sweats. And then it was not being able to sleep because of night sweats. And then it was mood swings. And then it was depression. And then it was rage. And really, just as I was coming out of the 18 months of rehab, my dad who had been diagnosed with a heart disease earlier. So he got sick in March of 2018, and he died in November of 2018. And I was with him a lot of the time. I started to feel like what I thought was kind of the physical manifestation of grief and fear. So I started having heart palpitations. He had trouble keeping food down, and all of a sudden, I was allergic to, uh, to all these different foods and I, would, I mm. would vomit. Like, I mean, I couldn't keep them down. And just like my dad, he would have a skin rash, I would get a skin rash. 
And I thought, what else could this be? You know, like all of this, it just feels like a black cloud has been following me ever since the spine surgery. I don't, I don't know what is happening to me. And when I went to see my doctor and I said, something isn't right, she was like, mm, it's menopause, you'll get through it. And because I trust and love my doctor very much, I thought I was overreacting because she was so dismissive, right? And I couldn't go on hormones because of my health profile. And so what are the options if that is not for you? And I asked my doctor, what, what do I do? And she was like, you will get over it. It'll be fine. Okay, well, that, that's not an answer. And I didn't know better to ask more questions. Okay, couple things. One thing is that you know, a Johns Hopkins study that came out a few years ago said that 80% of residents, OBGYN residents, come out of their program. They say that they feel ill-prepared to discuss menopause with their patients. And I have to be clear and say that is not their fault. It's because the program makes coursework on menopause an elective. You can choose to take it or you can choose not to. So do you really want somebody who's had two hours of information about something to be your doctor as you age. So I do think there is a serious gap. So what I care about is informed patients, right? If you don't know what to ask, you may not get the answers that you need. If your doctors don't feel prepared to talk about something, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't feel free to ask and to get the help that you need and to find the right doctors. So to me, this is much more about being proactive because the second thing that I did want to say about when I started to feel the real effects of the entire menopause experience, right? Every phase, every cycle was that I didn't look like myself anymore. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like myself anymore. But more importantly, I didn't know what to do about it. I had no Mm -hmm. agency over what was happening to me. And I have become a staunch staunch believer that we have to be our own advocates. And if you're like me, especially with the medical community, I'm a people pleaser. So I'm like, you tell me something. I'm like, okay, that's cool. That's fine. That's what it must be. Yeah. I should have taken my GP who has been my doctor since I'm 23 years old, right? That's 30 years. She has been my doctor. I should have been like, what are you talking about? But I didn't know because she was like, yeah, that's what it is. It's fine. If, if you really want to be in a position to, you know, pre-game it, the only way to impact the experience of menopause is to know everything about it before you get there. And we are the first generation who is openly, as Gen Xers, talking about menopause. We are not taking aging lying down. We feel more free, but we are still inheriting the generations, the generational shame of really anybody who experiences the hormonal fluctuations who has female reproductive organs, right? And what's so crazy about that is that I cannot believe, even if we think about it as hormonal health and not female reproductive organ health, we are tying a person's worth to their reproductive system by saying that when you get to menopause, you're past your expiration date. You are grieving for a loss that is something that you can't get back. I didn't particularly want children, but when I couldn't have them anymore, that stung a little bit, right? I mean, it's sort of like you can always do something and then you can't. It was sort of like having spine surgery and not being able to walk right away. Right. And you wanted ultimately to make that decision for yourself about whether you have kids or not, and then 
And then it's, it is eventually you don't get that choice anymore. I want to piggyback on your notion of shame. So my story in a nutshell is that I got married at 34 and could not wait to start a family. You know, everything was going to be the dream. Right. And then I started not too long after a precipitous decline in my libido, which had not been the case before. And I felt lethargic. I rapidly started putting on weight and I felt off. I, I, I knew something was wrong with me. And I went to my doctor, who'd been my doctor for a while, and I told her my symptoms. And I said, something's really off. Maybe test my thyroid. I'm this, there's something off. This is where the shame comes in. She was a little exasperated because she didn't want to run the blood work again because I just had it done six months prior. And she said, your insurance isn't going to cover this thyroid test. You just had one. And she put her hand on my arm and she said, in regard to the low libido, she said, Christine, let me be the first one to tell you that the honeymoon, it won't last forever. At 34? I just turned 35, I think. And I really felt like she hit me. And then she did do the blood work and pretty quickly it came back that I had what they called then premature ovarian failure, which now they call POI. I do actually want to say something about that because I was on a panel that was with um, a bunch of people who were all talking about the various stages of hormonal health when it comes to people with female reproductive organs, right? You know, what was interesting was that they went in succession. They had somebody talking about women in their period. They had somebody talking about women in pregnancy. They had somebody talking about women and postpartum. They had somebody who spoke right before me about infertility. And in that conversation was a gentleman, very nice man, but he was using words like failure, success, performance. And I was like, what are we doing to women? Yeah. Mm-hmm. These words, this language is so weighted and is so painful that when they turned to me and said, well, isn't menopause like the ultimate in infertility? And I was like, no, it is the end of fertility. And that is a very different conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every natural process has an end. And this is not something that we should be ashamed of. We should be looking at it at the natural transition that it is. How can we make people ashamed of that which is natural? Right. And if if someone warned you, these are the symptoms that that you may expect when you get there. If a doctor had a conversation with you at 40, it would be too late for me. But for most people saying X, Y, and Z would happen, then you won't get the feeling that I had. And it sounds like you had, Stacey, is what is wrong with me? I didn't say, oh, I have a medical condition. My hormones are a roller coaster. I just kept saying, what's wrong with me? This is very engrossing. I mean, a lot of times people will say the idea of like, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? And you may have heard people say like, you should say like, why is this happening for me? You know, when I was really experiencing the worst of my uh, cluster, right, of menopause issues at the same time, I probably would have hit you in the face if you'd said to me, oh, this is for you, right? Of course. That's why I was saying, like, in this scenario, it's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in this scenario, it actually isn't different. Because the one thing that we're not talking about, right, is that I'm not trying to use scare tactics when I talk to younger people about menopause. I'm trying to use prepare tactics. I want you to know Mm -hmm. what's coming because the more you know, the more you know. And the more you know, the more it's going to impact your experience of menopause. If you know what's coming, you will be able to identify it and say, aha, I'm not crazy. And you say, I know what that is. I know what that is. I know what to ask for my doctor. I know what to ask my care practitioner. You don't have to see a medical doctor. You don't have to take hormones. You could 
do acupuncture. You could find over-the-counter products, right? The thing is, it is something that's happening for you. Because I think that menopause is Mother Nature's biological fail-safe for making you refocus on your needs, not the needs of everyone else, not the needs of your partner or your kids or your parents or your job. It literally forces you to sit back, just like Mercury in retrograde. We think (laughs) about Mercury in retrograde, we think it's the worst thing in the world. Everything goes Uh kaplooey, don't sign any contracts, communication is destroyed, all your electronics won't work. But what do they say the flip side of Mercury in retrograde is, right? It is the time for you to stop trying so hard to make things work. Mm -hmm. But the point is that you have to sit back and listen. You have to sit back and pause. You have to sit back and receive. And that is something that is happening for you. You know, this is the thing. When we go to our doctors, we can't just say, I don't feel like myself. I don't look like myself. If you know what the telltale signs of menopause are, you can say, hey, I want this hormone test because here are the things that I am experiencing. Here is how I can elucidate them. Here is how I can explain them to you. This is what I'm asking for. And if you can't help me, then I'm going to find a doctor who will. Like that is your right and your, the ability that you have by, you know, pre-gaming this stage of life by knowing everything you can know about it. I've heard you say this before too, and I think it applies too, is that there's an inequity in that because speaking for myself, like I have healthcare, I can get that information, I can do the research, but I don't think that everyone has equal opportunity or as much time to be responsible for doing all their own research. And I, that's what gets me. I don't disagree with you, Christine. I'm not saying that you should do all your own research because I agree, not everybody has the time and not everybody has the luxury to mm-hmm. you know, have insurance. But I do think that you know, for the most part, this is now something where you can type into Google like menopausal mm-hmm. issues and there is SEO, right? You will see yes. actual reputable sites with like, you know, discernible information that allow you to make very quick choices and have you know, power back over your own agency. Um, yeah. I talk about Electra Health all the time. Their 21st Century Guide to Menopause is a remarkable piece of work. The dedication and the research that went into that, the use of which is at our fingertips, is really quite remarkable. So you completely reinvented yourself. You are now the CEO of State Of. The company is called State Of Menopause. On the packaging, and if I had started this from the get, right, I would have made menopause as big as the State Of. Why are we hiding from that word? Why does that make it any easier to normalize, not just destigmatize, but normalize and optimize for this conversation? So I will promise you that when we sell out of our our first round of inventory, we are totally changing the packaging so that menopause is front and center. And I believe really strongly in that because you don't have to scream it from the rooftops. You can go to my site and get whatever you want and, you know, it comes in discreet packaging. That is your decision. Whether you want to scream from the rooftops or not is, is your choice. I will do that for you. I just want to scream loud enough so that you get whatever help you need when you are experiencing and start this stage of life. And you don't die as soon as you go into menopause. You have another lifetime in front of you. So 
not only do we have to start talking about it to optimize our health for the next 40 years, because in menopause, that's when cardiac, cognitive, and bone health become so important. And you really do need to know how to eat, how to move, how to take care of yourself so that your health does not decline as you age. And we have to figure out the way through. How, how do we bounce back from that? How do we maintain our sense of you know, self-love, self-acceptance, self-expression, self-esteem, all of the things that don't go away just because your period does or just right. because your progesterone does or just because your estrogen does, right? These are things mm -hmm. that should not be limitations on the way that we want to live our lives. And the yeah. more prepared we are, the easier and more powerful, I think, the menopause experience can be for people. Yeah. I think we're fighting um, a significant, like, multi, multi-billion dollar industry to be anti-aging. And it sounds so cliche to think we really need to be pro-aging. First of all, anti-aging is like the definition of insanity, okay? You can't mm -hmm. bang your head against a wall expecting something different. You can't be anti-aging. Right. How can you be against something you can't stop from happening? Right. But I, I am finding, and I'm not just saying this, that I am very pro-aging in that I like myself better now than I ever did before. Uh, I find this age in my life to be great, and I feel more creative. I feel more emboldened. I think I heard you say this on another podcast where you said you have um, less Fs to give. Yes. <laughs> and, and I thought that was perfect because that is the beauty of being older. You've lived through enough. You've lost enough to know where it's important to put your time and where, really, I'm not going to worry about that. It's empowering. I mean, I, I don't disagree with you, but I will tell you, this pivot of mine, just going back to, to Robin's question about being the CEO of a menopause company, you know, that's a big pivot. That's a big transformational shift to go from, you know, being a fashion stylist in magazines and then one on television to an industry that I don't know anything about to um, running my own company. I didn't go to business school, but then again, nobody is born a CEO, right? CEOs are made. And I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this, one, because it's really important to me that I do something that continues the kind of work that I've always done, right? And what not to wear was not about the clothes. It was never about the clothes. It was about what the clothes mm -hmm. can do. And in the same way, when I think about what I went through, that I would never want anybody to have to experience because it was so disorienting and so scary, right? If I could help somebody um, mitigate that experience in a way that made it easier for them to get to the other side of, that's doing the same work. That's making sure that somebody's sense of self stays intact through what can be hard. I'm not, I don't sugarcoat this stuff. Like mm -hmm. it is hard. Menopause is not easy. Aging exactly. is not easy. But this idea of pro or anti-aging or aging gracefully, I mean, I, please, I cannot with any of that. There's no pro, there's no <laughs> anti. You're just going to do it. And I don't care if you think you can stop the hands of time, right? Have the facelift, use the Botox, use the Instagram filters. I do not care, but you are <laughs> going to die. And when that happens, do you want to look back on your life and make sure that you lived it to the fullest? Did you do as much with your time on this earth as you could have? What do you realize in menopause? What you might realize if you are coming to this at chronological age is that you have more days behind you than you have in front of you. That is scary, and that is also something to kind of value and revel in. And one of the taglines for our company is feel better now, right? Because we want to be 
for you in the acute symptomatic stage of relief, right? How can we help you in those acute moments? That's very important to us. But feel better now is also about remaining and accepting where you are. Come to us as you are, not who you were. We can mourn for her, you can say goodbye to her, but you have to accept who you are to welcome and nourish who you're going to become. All of this is a remarkable reclamation of time for women. And, you know, certainly have work to do within our own generation and certainly, you know, the generations that came before us. But I feel very hopeful about the idea of destigmatizing this or the shame surrounding this dissipating really quickly. For me, normalizing menopause isn't just getting you to be okay with it. Normalizing it is telling your partner, your kids, your doctors, your care practitioners. The workplace. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. Here is what I need. Think about if you could just tell the truth of who you were, right? If you could say in the workplace, I'm really struggling through these hormonal issues right now. It's impacting my productivity. If you could say that and somebody lets you go home and you could sleep during the day, then guess what? You'd probably more, you'd be more productive the next day. We want people to understand what is happening to us, even if it doesn't happen to them, or even if it's not happening to them right now, so that we can kind of create more empathy and compassion around the entire experience. Yes. Uh, Stacy. I have one last question before we wrap things up. Since you and I met through storytelling, and I know you're a big fan of uh, using humor, I'm just wondering, do you think, like, if we gave menopause a different name, that it would help people kind of, like, embrace it a little bit more? I don't think it makes any difference. In fact, that's why I feel so strongly about keeping menopause in the Mm. name of my products. And if we can make that word feel beautiful to people, then it is. And I totally feel like going back to what I was saying about like how this happened for you. I hate that you experienced like the myriad, are we calling it symptoms? What are we calling it? Issues? Symptoms, struggles. That you did. But I also look at it as such a gift because you are so passionate about this topic. Mm-hmm. And you are the you are the one with the machete. You are just chopping <laughs> shit down. You're like, get out of the way. You are the trailblazer that I think yeah. this topic needs. And I am so grateful that you're doing the work that you're doing. Can you please, and I'm sure our listeners will feel the same way. They're just like, if, like I said, like at the beginning, the three people who don't know you. Can you tell us, <laughs> can you tell those, th- those three listeners, we can give them some names, where can they find you and everything that you're doing with State of Menopause? Okay, well, definitely, um, please come to our site, stateofmenopause.com. I'm very excited that we have now started to introduce not just product, and, and there was a reason, actually, a method behind that madness. I really wanted a product company. I wanted a consumer-facing product company because... I wanted to be able to say, you have a problem? Here is a physical thing that can help you. Now we're putting education behind that. Now we're putting research behind that so that when you come to the site, not only will you be able to see product and shop by concern, we we use concern instead of symptom. Mm. You can see a list of things that we are trying to solve for at the moment. We take all that consumer feedback and all that data, and that's how we plan our next product drop based on the needs of the consumer audience that we desperately want to be a part of. So please come to stateofmenopause.com. You know, stay for a while, hang out, read an article, see how that applies to you. If we could help anyone not experience what you and I experienced, victory. Victory. 
Well, on that note, thank you, Stacey. I want to hug you through the screen. I know, me too. I feel me too. so, ugh, like you're just this like, ugh. I just love how passionate you are about this. You're a ball of love and empathy. Oh my God, totally. And to just see how you've come out of it and just all the important work that you're doing must feel so purposeful and, and so and what you're doing is so important. So thank you so much for joining us today. And I can't wait to see you IRL soon. I know, it's so true, guys. Thank you so much for having me. You know, you please follow us on Instagram, Shop State Of. We want you to come and, and play with us because there is really a very positive understanding of this experience once you know about it. Like once you once you know what the tough stuff is, you can really dig into the stuff that is going to be meaningful to you on the other side of it. Christine. Robin. Are you just as amazed, impressed, blown away by Stacy? I am. She had so much information to share, but she had so much heart to share. Yeah. So much kindness, compassion, empathy. Mm-hmm. I loved every second of it. You can tell she really speaks from the heart. I mean, yeah. because she cares so deeply about people and she wants to do such important work. And yes. given that, you know, you're both coming from this perspective of, I don't want anybody else to have to experience what I experienced. Yeah. It's just at some point she was talking about like the care you need, the doctors you need, the the family you need, all these things. I'm like, the Stacey London you need. Like I was like, you are just <laughs> like this. It's rare that I say I'm speechless, but she just is, everything she says is just so um, passionate. And it's very moving, you know? Yeah. And I love that she's so honest and raw and that she could take you back to what a struggle that spinal surgery was followed up with these symptoms of menopause that she couldn't quite identify yet, but the Mm -hmm. changes in her mood and how she was feeling. And then you add to that the knowledge that your dad is quite ill and that she took care of him for a year and then experienced grief all at the same time. It just, it just made my heart ache. And to think that she could come out of that with such things to offer the rest of us, I just applaud that. I agree. I agree. And I am so thrilled that she was our first guest. Yes, me too. So yeah, so listeners, we hope you got as much out of it as we did. We just liked having you here, and we look forward to having you back. Hey, listeners, if you enjoy this podcast as much as we enjoy recording it, we'd love it if you could help us out. All you have to do is rate and review the show, and it will help us reach more listeners. It only takes a minute, and it makes a huge difference. It really does. And if you want to follow the show while you're at it, we won't mind. (laughs) No, we won't. And don't forget to tell your friends to check it out too. Our mission at Let's Talk Menopause is to give people the information they need so they can get the health care they deserve. Please visit our website at letstalkmenopause.org for a wealth of menopause information, including a symptoms checklist, information about long-term health risks, how to navigate menopause at work, interviews with health experts, and so much more. This episode of Hello Menopause is sponsored by Always Discreet, makers of liners, pads, and underwear for bladder leaks. Always Discreet, because we deserve better. And by the support of Estellas, on the forefront of healthcare change. Hello Menopause is a production from Let's Talk Menopause made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, Christine McGinnis. And I'm your host, Robin Gelfenbein. Ina Garkusha is our supervising producer and Alana Herlins is our producer. Laura Boyman and Catherine Devine are our associate producers. 
Sydney Evans is our dialogue editor, and Claire Bidegary Curtis is our sound designer. Hello Menopause was concepted by Jessica Olivier, Jill Pachesnik, and Becca Godwin. This podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever podcasts are found. So check it out. Check it out.